Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. We are in our Advent series. Uh, This is part three. And uh, so I'm going to be bringing to you a message about joy. Now, uh, I'm going to light the candles for Advent. And as I do, um, I have to have, uh, make a confession to you about the candle lighting of Advent over at our uh, Highland Park campus I just came from. I lit over there the three candles, except over there I, I lit the, the, the wrong candles. And... Um, I I was supposed to light uh, this pink candle, which is the candle that that represents the message of joy, the the shepherd's candle. And over at Highland Park, I I lit the three purple candles. And when I was lighting the third purple candle, there were people in the crowd looking at me. Meredith, the director, she was looking like, what are you doing? I I didn't know what she was saying. And uh, there was the the campus director of security over there, Brandon Kaufman. He was looking at me like, you're an idiot. And I just continued, I didn't know what he was trying to communicate to me. I just totally went blank. And so I did get it right here. I got the correct three candles with the pink candle, which represents the shepherd's candle. Uh, the first candle that we lit was the candle of hope that Pastor Matthew talked to us about. The second candle was the candle of peace, the purple candle that Pastor Nancy and Pastor Joe talked to us about. And today I want to talk to you about joy, joy at the time of Advent, Uh, Before we do that, I want to give you a quick Christmas report on your generosity thus far. This is not the total giving of the church, just a portion of it, but it's so significant that we just want to report on this. Um, So far, as you know, we've been participating with angels for many, giving angel trees and giving angels uh, to the schools and to YWAM for many years. And I just want to give you an update on your generosity thus far. So far for YWAM this year, we've given 164 angels. That's amazing, 164. And then for the school down the street from a Highland Park campus, the Dallas Hybrid Preparatory Academy, we gave 51 angels to teachers this year, 51. And then right down the street here from this campus, the Ben Milam School, we gave 47 teachers an angel. That totals to your giving, just with angels alone, just with angels, $17,185. You are amazing. That's really spectacular. Very, um, just spectacular. So as we're thinking about this message about joy, uh, I've been thinking about it this week, and I did a, just a very informal survey of the church. I asked a lot of people in the church um, this, this very interesting question. I said, so if you think about the word joy, who in our church, in our congregation, who do you think about? I asked a bunch of people this question. I said, who do you think about? And two people dominated the survey. Two people completely dominated the survey. Both of them are females. Guys, we were completely left out. I'm not sure what's wrong with the men around here, but there needs to get a little more joy on the men, so we weren't even mentioned. But uh, the, the, the runner-up was Joy Lindsay. And Joy Lindsay was the runner-up. Now that makes sense, Joy is in her name and she's very joyful, that makes sense. But by far, the person who dominated the Joy category by far the most was, as you know, Pastor Nancy Martin. <laughs> Many of you are already pointing fingers over there. 
Whenever you think about the word joy, Pastor Nancy's picture should be in the dictionary. Uh, it comes up right there, so she's always so filled with joy. What a great example for all of us. I wanna start off today with a story from J. John. Now, J. John is an Anglican evangelist. He's a friend of this church. The Martins have known J. John for a number of years, and he speaks here every spring. And he told a fascinating story that I thought would uh, illustrate our message this morning. So he tells the story of a factory in England at about the time of the writing of the Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens, if you could imagine that, if you've seen uh, the Christmas Carol movie this so far this Christmas, you've probably already seen it. We showed it to Eli, our son, last night. He got really scared. And uh, with, with several parts of the story, they're scary. I remember when I was a kid, the first time I saw it, I got scared. So if you could imagine that scene, there's a factory and this factory, they manufacture hardware that's sold at hardware stores. And things like hammers and screws and wheelbarrows and saws and all those type of things that you would buy at a hardware store. And they're the number one manufacturer in the world. They, they, they only make the finest. And so they have a policy each day after the last shift is over as all the employees are leaving. There is a security guard there that monitors to make sure that nothing's being stolen. And so this one particular employee is walking out one day, and it's during the Christmas season. He's walking out, and he's pushing a wheelbarrow. In the wheelbarrow, there's a box. It's, it's not an expensive box. It's maybe like a cardboard box if they had that thing back then. And the box is filled with sawdust sawdust. And so he's coming through and he stopped by the security guard, of course. And the security guard goes, wait a minute, hold on. I need to see what's in that box. And so he rummages through the box and looks through the sawdust and there's really nothing there but sawdust. And so the very next day, the same scenario happens. The gentleman is wheeling, coming out. He's, he's coming out and the, he gets stopped and they search through the, the, the box and there's nothing but sawdust there. And it happens the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And finally, about two weeks later, the security guard is frustrated. He stops the guy and he goes, look, I just have, I have this knowing. I just have a sense that you're stealing something. I haven't been able to catch you. I haven't been able to discern what this is, but I just know that you're stealing something. Look, let's just make a deal. It's Christmas. Let's make a deal. If you'll tell me what it is, I promise I won't report you. And the guy says, you promise? And he said, yeah, look, I promise. I just have got to know. Okay, this is like my job. I just got to know how you're getting this past me. I have no idea. How, what is it that you're stealing? And the gentleman said, he agreed to it, said, okay, I'll tell you. I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> Sometimes at Christmas, we get so focused on the worthless that we miss what's worthy of our worship. We can get so focused on our challenges, our issues, on the busyness of the season, on the traffic that's all around us, on buying the gifts and all of the stuff, and it's nothing but sawdust compared to the beautiful message of Advent that Jesus came as a baby, was born incarnate, that God himself arrived on earth and gave us this beautiful message of joy. 
Advent really is revelation of God's joy. It's revelation of God's joy. Now, when we think about revelation, there's four ways in the scriptures that God reveals himself. You've probably heard this before. If you've had an introductory class uh, of, on, the, on the Bible, you've heard the, the four ways that God reveals himself. So the, first, the first one is this, through, through the human conscience. Romans 2 talks about this, that humanity all across the planet has a consciousness of right and wrong. And that was put into us by God. And so that's, that's the, the first way that God reveals himself. The second way is through general revelation. General revelation, if you could think about, would be to examine the stars, to examine the universe, to examine the earth itself, the complexity of the human eye, the amazing creation that we see all around us. This is general revelation that God has given us about himself. The third is specific revelation, specific revelation about God, and this comes to us through the scriptures. God in the scriptures gives us very clear and very specific revelation about who he is. And then the fourth is through his son, Jesus. Through Jesus, God gives us the fullness of revelation so that we could understand God at the highest level. That comes through Jesus. So, I wanna tell you a story about three different groups of people that are in the Christmas story, three different groups, the Magi, the shepherds, and the high priests and the teachers of the law, and I wanna, I wanna take a look at how they responded to the revelation of Advent. Advent is the celebration of the coming of the Messiah. There's two Advents. We're celebrating the first Advent. The first Advent looks towards the coming of the Messiah, which has happened. Jesus has come. That Advent has been fulfilled. The second Advent is when Jesus returns the second time as the king. The first Advent, he was the lamb. The second Advent, he'll return as the king. And so I want to take a look at the first Advent about how these three groups respond to the revelation of Jesus. How do they respond? Let's take a look at the Magi first. Now, the Magi is a great example of having just general revelation about God. This is what Matthew 2, verses 1 through 2 says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. So the Magi arrived. These are, are people we don't know a whole lot about. They're probably highly educated. They're noble people. They have means. And they have observed through general revelation, through observing the stars and, and, and the earth and the alignment of those stars, they've observed, observed that God's revealing himself that a new king has been born. And they've, they've watched this, and so what's interesting to me is how did the Magi respond to general revelation? How did they respond? The first thing they did is they traveled a great distance. We don't know exactly how far that distance was, but they had to travel to find the Messiah. Now, they were carrying great wealth with them, 
And so many times when you've seen the Hallmark card, it's just been like these three wise men that are traveling on camels. That's all you would see. And that's not an accurate picture. There would have been many people traveling with them. They would have had to hire an entourage of guards to protect them as they journeyed to find the Messiah. So not only did they have the inconvenience of having a long journey, but they financially had to lay out a tremendous amount of money to be able to be protected on this journey. Next, they searched for the specific location. Now, general revelation got them in the general area of where the Messiah was gonna be born, but it wasn't specific enough. They had to come and ask Herod, who asked the teachers and the priests, where will the Messiah be born? And of course, they knew where the Messiah would be born, and so they found out the specific place. When the Magi got there, they honored the Messiah with great gifts. They honored Jesus. They decreased themselves to increase the Messiah. I think that's a beautiful action that they took. And then lastly, they obeyed a warning that they received in a dream. They received in a dream a warning not to go back and report to Herod what they had seen at the birth of Jesus. They were warning a dream to go back a different way. And they, these men who were highly educated, noble people, they obeyed that dream. They could have maybe easily discounted and said, oh, it's a dream, maybe we had bad pizza. They could have thought, well, maybe, you know, it's a dream. How can we put such faith in those things? They obeyed the dream from heaven. The next group I want to look at is the shepherds. Now, the shepherds are really interesting to me. You saw some of them represented here this morning. Um, they had an angelic encounter with this revelation of Advent. They had an angelic encounter in in Luke chapter two, verses nine through 11, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified because the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will, watch this, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This is the encounter that the shepherds had. The, the shepherds were in, in society at that time would have been considered lower level people. Now that's not a good thing, and, but that's probably the way that they were considered at the time. They were shepherds. They lived out with the sheep. They slept in the fields with the sheep in the cold, in the rain, in the elements. This job of being a shepherd was a very difficult job. You would have smelled like the sheep or like the land that you lived in. They had a difficult job. A side note about angels. that I, just, this, I realize this is just a side note, but a side note. There's only five reasons in Scripture why God sends angels. There's five reasons. One is to bring a message from God Two is to protect God's people. Three is to give comfort and ministry to the people of God. Four is to execute God's judgment. And five is to give praise and worship to God. If you'll notice in that category and in the scriptures, angels do not establish. 
That's not within the scope of what angels are called to do. They don't establish scripture, doctrine, theology, teaching, or religion itself. That's not what angels are given to do. There are 15,000 religions in the world today. Many of them have been established by angels. But the scriptures tell us that that's not the scope, that's not the role of angels. So that's free, um, and we'll move on. How did the shepherds respond to this angelic encounter? How did they respond? This is very interesting. First, they immediately searched for the baby. They immediately put out a search. Now, um, a, a number of months ago, Russell Lane and I went through a very difficult time, we went through a challenging time in our families, a difficult situation that happened to us, and we were seeking some counsel. So we met with Pastor Joe and Pastor Nancy. We sat down. They prayed with us. We talked with them about the scenario that had happened. We were seeking counsel, and they told us one thing to do, and we knew it was from the Lord. We, we didn't have to discern whether or not it was from God or not. We, we had discerned that. We knew it was from God. And there's nothing wrong with discerning whether or not a word is from God or not. That's a good thing. The Bereans were commended for, uh, about that in the scriptures. That's a very good thing. But we knew it was from God. And so when we left the meeting, I immediately picked up the phone, made the phone call, got the appointment, and the next day I was in that appointment. We knew exactly what to do and we immediately took action on it. When the Lord speaks to you, when God gives you counsel and you know it's from the Lord, immediately respond. Don't think, you know what, I'll put that on my calendar and maybe I'll get around to that or maybe you know, someday I'll do that or that's really good advice and I'll think on that. Don't do that at all. Immediately respond, that's what the shepherds did. Next, they spread the word about Jesus. They went into town, remember their shepherds? Okay, they're probably on the lower rung of society. They're, they're shepherds, and they go into town, and the Bible says that everyone who heard them was amazed. Everyone said, gosh, this, this is absolutely amazing. Why? Because they saw an oxymoron. They saw shepherds that had joy. Now, that was weird to them. Shepherds living out in the fields typically weren't filled with joy. These shepherds were filled with the joy of the message of Advent. And it was so noticeable that everybody that they talked to was amazed. And then third and lastly, and I find this so fascinating, they returned to their work glorifying and praising God. They returned to their station in life glorifying and praising God. They didn't say, hey, you know what? We've had this angelic encounter. Let's write a book and start a new religion. They didn't do that. They didn't say, hey, we've had this special angelic encounter. Let's, um, you know what? We deserve a, a new job, a, a new station in life. We should be celebrities. Let's go start a podcast and a radio show and a television program. They didn't do any of those things. They went back to the very difficult job of being a shepherd, except they were totally changed. They went back to that job glorifying and praising God and filled with joy. What a very important message for all of us at Christmas. The last group I wanna to talk to you about is the priest and the teachers. Now, the high priest and the teachers that are mentioned here in Matthew uh, chapter two, verses three and five, that I'm gonna to read to you in just a moment, they had special revelation from God. Verse three, 
When King Herod heard this, heard that the Magi were saying that, that the Messiah was to be born, he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. When he had called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets have written. So these men were keepers of the law. These men knew they would have all had at least the Torah memorized, the first five books of the Bible. All of these men would have had that memorized. Many of them probably had the entire Old Testament memorized. So they knew the special revelation about the coming of the Messiah. They understood Advent more than anyone else on the planet. They knew. I did a little looking around, just digging in the Old Testament uh, this week on how much special revelation did these men have possession of at this time? How much special revelation did they have? And Bible scholars disagree on this, but on a high side, Bible scholars tell us that they had 574 verses available to them about the coming of the Messiah. That's a lot of scripture. At a low number, they had 456 verses. Somewhere in there, that's the number of verses they had about the special revelation about the coming of Jesus. That's a lot of information. That's a lot of special revelation. In fact, there are 12 prophecies in the Old Testament, at least 12, there may be more, at least 12 that, we, that I can identify, 12 prophecies that are specifically about the birth of Jesus, about the birth of the Messiah. And I'm not gonna go through all of them, but listen how specific these prophecies are. In Isaiah, we learn that he'll be born of a virgin. In Genesis, we learn that he'll be from the tribe of Judah. In Jeremiah, he gets even more specific, he'll be from the house of David. And then in Micah, we learn exactly the town he'll be born in. He'll be born in Bethlehem. And then in Psalms, we learn that gifts will be given to Jesus. This is amazing how specific these prophecies are. How much special revelation that the teachers of the law and the high priest had about the coming of Advent. And so here's the question. <clears throat> how did the priest and the teachers respond to special revelation? How did they respond? They did nothing. Nothing. They didn't even investigate. At least Herod sent the Magi to go investigate and see if maybe this thing happened. Herod was not a godly man. But the people who had the most special revelation, they had the most special revelation they did absolutely nothing. They were focused on the sawdust. They missed the revelation of the coming of the Messiah. This is what Luke chapter two, verse 10 and 11 tells us. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Great joy for all of us. This news, this revelation about God, this advent, 
It's supposed to fill us with the joy of the Lord. Fill us with the joy of God's revelation. There's, it's one thing to have education, which I believe in education. And education is wonderful. And these high priests and these teachers of the law, they had a tremendous amount of education. But education without revelation will not bring you joy. But revelation is God revealing his joy to you and I at Advent. And that's the gift that he wants to give you this Christmas season. That's the gift that he wants to give you when you're stuck in traffic and someone right next to you is telling you you're number one, but you don't like the way they're saying it or signing it. So how should we respond this Christmas? How should we respond to the message of Advent? Let me give you a few thoughts and then I wanna close with an opportunity for us to respond. First, don't be like the priest or the teachers of the law. Now that's an easy thing to say, but I think I've been guilty sometimes of saying, you know, I've heard this Christmas story before. I've read this before. I've, I've looked at the scriptures. I know this story. I've seen the children's play. I know how the story ends. I, I know all of this. That's not a good way to respond to the revelation of God's joy at Advent. Secondly, I think that maybe we should be like the Magi. Find some way to decrease yourself at Christmas. Our culture says you need to increase yourself. Get more stuff. Buy more. Get more. Spend more time doing more. All of that. And I think the message of the Magi is just the opposite. Find some way to decrease yourself and increase the Messiah. And then lastly, let's be like the shepherds this year. The shepherds returned to their workplace, glorifying and praising God in the circumstances in which they were in. Their circumstances didn't change, but they had a gift and they returned glorifying and praising God. God. So in conclusion, here's what I want to give us the opportunity to do today. I want to give each and every one of us, including myself, the opportunity to actually do what each three of these groups had to do. They had to respond to the message. Advent was presented to them and they had to respond. And I would like for each of us to make a response today. Would you do me a favor? Just indulge me for just a few moments. Would you stand to your feet? And here's what I want us to do. First, we're going to ask God We're gonna ask God, Lord, what's some way that I can decrease myself this year so that the Messiah can be increased? We're gonna ask God that question. And I think God's gonna speak to you. And then secondly, we're gonna do this. We're going to give glory and praise and honor to God right in the situation that we find ourselves in. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do it together. No matter how much debt you have in your life, no matter how painful relationships may be in your family right now. No matter how difficult your job may be pressing on you right now, we're gonna follow the example of the shepherds and return with this Advent message of joy by glorifying and praising God. So let's do this right now. If you would, just begin to pray. And I think the Holy Spirit, if you'll ask him, is gonna give you a picture of a person in your mind that you can be a magi to. Just begin to ask the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord to speak to you. Who are you calling me 
to be a magi toward this Christmas? Who can I go to and decrease myself in order to increase the kingdom through? Just begin to pray and ask the Lord and he's gonna reveal to you, he's gonna show you, he's gonna give you a vision of a person that you can go and be the magi to. Good, now that you have that, let's do this together. Would you, if you feel comfortable, would you just raise your hands to heaven? Let's just raise our hands to heaven and let's do this. Let's do what the shepherds did. Would you come before the Lord and thank him, give him praise, give him honor and glorify him for the situation in which you are in. Give him praise and honor. Give him praise and honor right now for the situation you're in, believing God knows and sees right where you are and that he wants to fill your heart with joy. Let him begin to do that. Just begin to praise him, give him honor, give him glory, lift up the name of Jesus. Thank God for the message of Advent that is joy and let the Father deposit joy in your heart. No matter what your situation is, no matter what the difficulties are, right now the Holy Spirit wants to deposit the joy of the Lord in your heart. Father, we as a church, we, Father, we celebrate Advent. Lord, thank you for coming. Thank you, Jesus, for providing joy for us. We recognize your joy. We're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Matthew, would you come close us out? That's a fantastic message. Thank you so much, Pastor Derek. That was our message on joy. We're going to round out the series next Sunday with our message on love that Pastor Joe is going to bring to complete our Advent series. Make sure you take your worship guide with you. This is all the important information that you need to make sure you're at the right service, at the right location, at the right time over the next couple days. And as we leave today, I just want to proclaim Jude's doxology over all of us here. To him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his glorious presence without sin, with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, both now and forevermore. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, and we will see you next week, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas. God bless.